Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 357. Uh, Happy New Year. That's right. Uh, what was that Seinfeld? Like how late? Like in the February. Year? Was it February? I think February is when I once got Happy New Year in February. Someone got Happy I think it was Elaine got Happy New Year in like March. In March. <laughs> I was thinking it was March too yes. on my way in. Right. But um but yeah, so you know, we last week we talked about our goals, the first episode of the uh, the new year, mm-hmm. which is something we like to do annually. It's become like quite a tradition. Uh, and I think this week we're going to kind of build off of that. Um, I think it's a nice segue in our instructional topic this week was we're going to talk about a few of the things that might be holding you back from finally breaking 90. And no doubt in my mind, I'm sure there's a few of you, we challenge you guys with setting some of your own goals. And I'm sure there's there's quite a few of you out there who um, may have set that as your goal, breaking mm-hmm. 90. But one thing I will say too is if you are one of the more avid golfers who's listening and, and you know, you're breaking 90 regularly, Still going to want to tune into this because there's some things that we're going to talk about that universally uh, are going to help you no matter what level you're at. Absolutely. Because, I mean, some of this stuff that if you're regular breaking 90, you realize, yes, that's part of my game plan. We're going to talk strategy. But there's other things, like I said, it's a good reminder to maintain focus on them. Do you remember when you broke 90? I, now you played high school golf, so you probably can't remember. Right, I per- probably first broke ninety when I was when I was younger. So, yeah. but but not saying uh, one thing. I will say is that we don't break ninety every time we go out there. Absolutely right. You know, we you don't. and I were both what eleven handicap. Yeah. Right. So we should be shooting in the eighties, but we play difficult courses. We have bad days. There yep. are days when we're shooting above ninety. Yeah, we'll see nineties on the scorecard for sure. But how about you? You were, you have that crazy yeah, memory. So crazy memory. So yeah. I remember the exact place. It was uh, this, this golf course in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I think it's called like Hendricks Farm arm or something i gotta fact check that but i have the instagram post from 443 weeks ago guys check (laughs) this out it's june 28th 2012 i shot an 89 and i took a photo of my i guess it was my finishing putt on the 18th hole here and uh i love how it's with that those old old instagram instagrams that we thought were cool yeah those old filters (laughs) yeah but uh yeah man we're so we're talking eight years ago what's funny this was 2020 was the year where i broke 80 it was an eight year gap eight year gap you know, but I would say that that's probably pretty normal. I mean, yeah, I would th- say these so. are golf is a game that it takes time to move to those big milestones. There's think, there yeah. is a world of difference oh, between breaking 190 and 80. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a world of difference. world of difference. But what I'm finding the more that we play and the more we learn this game is that difference is often not the things that we think of when we first start playing. That that difference is not always these major swing changes. Right. It's often mm-hmm. approaching the game smarter avoiding getting in yourself into trouble out there and short game that's it i mean i can't even imagine breaking 70 it's almost you gotta be a freaking nature yeah you know it, 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 what's weird about like when you get to that level of breaking 70 it's more so it's not again it's not like you're doing something vastly different it's that you at that point you're doing it every time you're doing it right absolutely so like yeah. on certain mm-hmm. holes everything is clicking we talked about this before we said like in our goals episode we said hitting greens and regulation hit a fairway hit a greens and regulation so for us it's like yeah that's we're great if we do that 40 percent of the time right the difference just is now you're doing it you know almost every time uh-huh. you're hitting your green and regulation and it's largely just from consistency of execution that's just it we yeah. don't have that consistency in our games. It's the hardest mm-hmm. thing to find. It's yep. the hardest thing to find. But we dive into it here on the podcast each week, uh, and we, we talk about things like 
pre-shot routine, strategy, discipline, things that go into it. But again, it's a learning process. It's a learning process for us. So if you're new to the show, um, one big thing we say often is that we're not instructors. We're not professional golfers. We're guys who are learning and struggling as we go. So we're talking about the times when we struggle through it as well, celebrating the successes when it happens and realizing, hey, what worked, what didn't work, and how can we do more of what what worked so yeah there's like there's some stuff there that like i said we can distill it down and we'll talk in a moment like i said about those things breaking 90 if you didn't get a chance though to listen to last week's goals episode i know it was one of our longer episodes but it's one of our favorite episodes we do each year where we go back we look at all the goals we set for the previous year where we fell did we hit it did we not hit it uh and then we look forward and set some new goals so we set a bunch of new goals for ourselves this year Mm -hmm. we're going to be tracking a lot of those stats on our our shot scope uh watches which really helps makes life a little bit easier but i'm excited to do it um all right i want to talk about this week's twitter tap and before we do of course we want to thank our sponsor titleist titleist tsi drivers represent the best of titleist peerless pursuit of speed they continue to invest in the minds materials and technologies it takes to push the boundaries of speed while sacrificing nothing when it comes to performance. It's built on the breakthrough advances of the TS. Mike, you and I both had a lot of success gaming the TS drivers. We were very impressed with them. Titleist also learned a lot by putting those out there into the onto tour and into the marketplace mm-hmm. and realizing the things that they did well and the things that they could do even better. And those things that they can do even better, they put into the TSI series. So it's, it's more than just an extension of the franchise. It's an investment of your game. It'll pay dividends for years to come. So guys, visit Titleist.com to learn more about the TSI drivers. Uh, this is Make this the year you go out and try them because they are really incredible. They are. Uh, and, and the fairway medals is as well we mm-hmm. just put the three woods in the bag the tsi is it's just terrific dude stitching together that what's in the bag that's that's coming out of mine i went back to the, the driver fitting and i just went through all those numbers again yeah staggering staggering so you see i put them in there um some of those ball speeds those club speeds amazing yeah yeah and amazing. all that without losing any of that forgiveness right. that we were getting so it really is a nice upgrade from the ts um all right twitter tap in if you guys aren't already following us on twitter make sure you do so at golfisty so you can be a part of the twitter tap in each week we post these on monday give you guys a couple of days to uh, respond so that we can hop in there and, and and talk about some of your answers here on the show when we record so this week we asked how often do you opt to play nine holes instead of a full 18 and i think nine mike is something that's it's it's often under it's overlooked it is it's not given the appreciation that it should because obviously as golfers we want to be on the golf course all day if we could play 18 play of course but a big kind of restriction that people often talk about golf is how long it takes to play Uh, and and a lot of times in our busy lives we don't have the four hours it takes to play 18 holes um but the nice part about nine is nine is even a score you can enter a score for your handicap um it i find that it's 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 enough golf to give you your fix you know what i mean uh but at the same time you know it will leave you wanting a little bit more so i wanted to see what people had to say um Answering for ourselves, Mike. I mean, we do it occasionally. We do it occasionally. Some of our best videos have been over nine holes. Nine holes, yeah. You know, and I, I personally prefer the nine hole um, with the occasional 18 of that bucket list track. You know, I'm not going to yeah. walk off of Somerset Hills or Baltus Roll after nine. Right. You want that full experience. Uh, but if it's the local muni, it's after work. You don't want to be away from the kids or the spouse for a long time. You just want to get some work in because the best place to get your work in is out on the course yeah. over the range. And, the, and I think that's the best place to do it. So as a practice 
I mean, because that's what we're doing over those nine holes. We're not competing. We're just out there to get better and to have fun. And nine holes for me all day. Yeah, and I like it. Like I said, as my fix, like very often if I'm just playing that just for fun round to go after work, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the summer, we get that little bit more daylight hour to go over at five o'clock, play nine holes, be done. You know, and I, there's a lot of leagues that do this. Um, a yeah. lot of leagues that are structured around some of the golf courses, and it's nine holes. I do think it's a uh, it's a smart way to, like I said, get out there and play. But let's look at some of these uh, responses. Let me see if there's any there that you think uh, stand out, Mike. Yeah, so let's jump at the top. Our own Eric B., Eric Benzenberg, who writes for the site, guys. If you haven't seen it already, Eric does a lot of great equipment reviews and things. He says, Twilight Nines during the summer on, week on weekdays, just like you were saying. Uh, KC loves golf. Uh, it is a hundred percent based on time. I agree. Yeah. You know, if I don't have time for 18, then I will go with nine. Some golf is better than no golf. There you go. And then of course, there's always some guys who are, are more fortunate than the rest of us. Like, uh, Kaysen, uh, says he said every now and then I opt to play 18 instead of 36. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I could say is God bless Cheers. you. You out there playing 36 on a regular Only gonna basis. Play 18 today, guys. Yeah. I mean, for all you, you guys out there who young guys, who uh, are still in that time of your life when you're not as obligated to a lot of things. All I can tell you, if I'm speaking to my old self, old Frank, 20-year-old uh, Frank, would be mm -hmm. get out there and play 36 as much exactly. as you can. Because it does get rarer as you get a little bit older. But hey, we were fortunate. When we were in Scotland, we played 36 every single day. That was sweet. That's what those those golf trips are, are great for <laughs> that's sweet what else we got mike sapici not enough nine holes is not enough and, and along those lines jay browning never he'll never play nine holes he goes to full 18 and then on top of that you got joe stevens it says this is interesting rarely play nine it's a struggle to get into it yeah. only really get into the swing of things until the fourth hole so maybe you don't even warm up till midway through nine and you got to go the full distance you know yeah and look i mean we've talked about that a little bit here on the podcast one thing is if you do find yourself um not playing well until into your round, I would give a hard look at your kind of warm up routine. And I say that with a grain of salt because I know everyone's busy and it's tough to get out there. But some great advice that we got from Kevin Sprecker uh, last time I was there. And he just said just the amount of just warming up your body. That's he it. said, oftentimes, you first of all, muscles need to be warm in order to perform. If we just hop out there and play without getting them moving and getting that blood flowing, that can also often be what leads to not playing well until into the round a little bit. Right. Um, now there could be other things too. There could be mental things and you could talk about mental game. We could go down a whole podcast just on that. But one thing I, again, a little takeaway, what Kevin had told us, he said, even if it's just in the locker room, just getting the body moving, just moving, stretching, rotating. He goes, once you start to build heat in those muscles, you'll be surprised at how that translates to when you first get out there. You know, I, I played nine once before work uh, last summer, or two summers ago, I shot a 38 at Orchard Hills over here in Bergen County. Yeah. It was one of those ones where like, oh, I want to go back on another loop, but I couldn't. I had to get to my office. So I could see it happening. I could see where you like you shoot a great score on nine, you just want to keep going, but you run out of daylight or something. And that's what I'm seeing the theme here. Everyone's writing, a lot of people are writing, never, 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 eight, nine is not enough. You know, to get that true score. And I don't know, I kind of disagree there. I disagree in yeah. so much as even shots go I would at rather it, it than nothing. Yes. I say look for it as those opportunities when you would normally say, I don't have an opportunity to play golf today because I don't have four hours to spare. If you've got the two, you know, go out there and play. Plus, you save a little bit of money you playing half money. the round. But I do agree. There's one of the most frustrating things in golf is walking off that ninth hole with a great score going. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is that is tough. That is tough. That is tough to do. Um, what else we got here? Matt Savage, my course is a nine-hole course. After work, it's nine every day. Weekends, it's 27 to 36. Now that Korea is getting colder, nine is perfect to keep my fundamentals in tune. There you go. Yeah, it, it's, it, it just really... Uh, goes back. Here's Josh says it usually goes like this: impromptu round nine holes scheduled. You said that one, yeah. Okay, I, I'm reading through them as I'm trying I know, to listen I know. to you. But that stood out. Then clearly that stood it, out. Clearly for me it too. stood out. Yeah. There's um, just so many great responses here. But you'll see your mixed bag. A lot of people just not not into nine. Right. And and look again. It's like saying, you know, I'm not into a McDonald's burger when I can have one from the steakhouse. Right. You know what I mean? Like, of course. But like as as golfers, we all want to play more golf. I'm just saying we that we all want to go to the steakhouse, but sometimes we got to rip through that drive through and get on with our life, through, right? right? You know, yeah. we got to do it. I well, get that's, it. And that's exactly what I mean. Like yes. I would say just more so don't overlook it because I think too many times we get to this all or nothing mm-hmm. kind of mindset. Um, and, and, and I, to me, there's few things more relaxing than a twilight nine. Yeah. You it's know, peaceful. Get out nice there. Summertime. Peaceful, yeah. Unpressured, just getting out there and just, you know, swinging for a couple of holes and grabbing a beer and going home. That's you know it. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hard to beat that. Um, all right, Mike, let's do a word from our sponsors. And then uh, I want to talk about now here, we're talking 18, obviously, but we're going to talk about those few things that might be holding you back from finally hitting that magic number and breaking 90 and dipping into the 80s. Sure thing, man. So this episode is brought to you by ShotScope, the all-in-one GPS and stack, stat tracking watch. You wear it on your wrist. You load it up while you get to the course. Boom, you go off and play. What's going to happen behind the scenes, guys? Simple. ShotScope is going to track all of your data, all your shots. You know, you hit the ball, and you're going to be like, how does it work? You wear a watch. How does it work? Everyone keeps asking me, how does it work? You hit your shot, and when you go up to your next shot, you strike it again. It's going to measure the distance from the previous shot. Records all of that, and we were talking about it on our stats, uh, our goal episode last week. All those stats we would never be able to have right. without ShotScope. You know, how many greens do we hit in a round? You Fair would take hit. you out of your game if you had to have a pencil and oh, paper. It would be for ridiculous. Everyone. So we you did can that track way back. G- greens and regulation and, and, and some fairways, but beyond that. But then where are you entering those? Unless you're like, go home and create some type of psychopathic uh, spreadsheet, <laughs> you know, where like, you, that's great. If you do that, God bless you. That's phenomenal. But hey, ShotScope takes all the work out of it. He, they do it for you. And what's cool about playing nine holes, we just talked about, you can enter a score for nine holes into ShotScope. Yes, you can. You yeah. know, so just like your, your handicap, you can also enter it in there for stat tracking. So, uh, Check them out. I mean, I know the V3s, which are the full stat tracking watch, they're sold out, sorry, until March, but there are some UK websites that you can find them on. There's some other websites of retailers that you could find them on if you really want to get it. Um, check it out. But don't overlook the V2 because mm-hmm. this is, I mean, you can't beat this. They got them on sale like for like 99, 99 bucks, bucks right now, and they still do all the stat tracking that the V3 does. The V3, it just has its benefits of being a little bit smaller, better battery yep. life, a little bit better GPS accuracy. Um, but you, you, good way to dip. I would toe. say again, it's not an all or nothing thing. If you mm. still want your stats, you can get into a, a V2 mm-hmm. and get those stats while we're waiting for the V3s to be back. Maybe that's just stock. it, just to get your feet right. wet with stat tracking because it could be new to a lot of us. You know, it might not be for you. And if it's not for you, they have another model that is available called the G3, mm-hmm. and that's just uh, GPS, front, back, middle of the green, hazards, all that great stuff. Super small, colorful bands, really sleek display. Check them out. And I would say the, what we don't say enough, Mike, the biggest highlight of ShotScope, no subscription fee. I love that because it's it's a it's something that's always getting better. They're always updating the the courses. They're they're rolling out new features, and it's not something where you have to pay to unlock your stats or pay to retain your stats. You keep everything. I go back three seasons and look at every single round. Isn't it great? Right, no subscription fee. So it's not no hidden cost. You buy the watch, you're done. Do one click of the button. I want to see how my three putts improved over one year versus the next, just yeah. like that. Boom. 
Easy. You know, so guys, check them out. Shotscope.com slash golficity. Get in the game. Also want to thank FootJoy. FootJoy, the number one outerwear brand in golf, committed to helping you extend the golf season as long as possible. It's freezing outside, guys, like 30 degrees. You know, but we could still play golf. There's no snow on the ground anymore. It went away. So let's get out there. Let's play. Check out the Hydro Series or the Hydro Tour. You know, any of the rain jackets or or winter jackets that FootJoy puts out are incredible. I am gaming the Hydro Tour. Love that jacket. I know you have one too, mm-hmm. Frank. It's in my What's in the Bag video. I show you how easy it just rolls up. You stuff it in the bag. Waterproof, windproof, mobile, swinging through the ball. This is all the stuff we look for in outerwear because we want performance out of our outerwear. You don't want to wear the big George Costanza Gore-Tex jacket Gore-Tex. and go play golf. Was you'll never Gore-Tex? be able to perform. Yeah. You know, you'll stay warm, but you won't be able to perform. Well, FootJoy, they've combined both. So play more golf this year. Get Get the gear you need to play in any condition that is thrown your way. Visit footjoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Frank, that fly is huge right there on that light. And it's just sitting there. I just want to get it. Where is this fly even coming from? I don't know. He just wants to listen to the show. Let's let him hang out. It's January and we've got a fly (laughs) living in here. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's... So, all right. So let's talk about this week's let's topic. Do it. Let's talk about breaking 90. And again, this is coming from guys who work on this on a regular basis. Uh, for us, both of us, uh, a good average everyday 18-hole score is going to be somewhere in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, that means we're still, it's, it's within a couple shots of breaking 90. We're still working on it. We're still focused on it. And I think what the kind of magical part about this of breaking 90, I think there's a lot of golfers out there who feel like once they break 90, that's when they feel like they've turned the corner of being like a golfer. Now, I could agree with that. Yeah. And I could see that I could put myself in those shoes. Now, personally, more I play golf, the more I realize, look, if you just pick up a club, you're a golfer. If you're part of the community, you don't have to, I've said this before, you don't have to shoot, suit a certain score in order to have your card punched of being a golfer. Correct. If you're out there, you're having fun with your buddies, you're contributing to the game, you're playing your rounds, you're a golfer. But I understand how some people feel like that's what kind of validates it is breaking 90. And it's, it's something that is I think more rare than a lot of people think. If you actually look at the numbers, I haven't Googled them in a long time, but the percentage of golfers who ever actually break 90, uh, it's actually not super high. So don't feel like you're disappointed if, or, or don't feel like there's a time frame. Mm-hmm. I have to break it by this amount's time. Don't forget, golf equates to the amount of work that you put in. So if you're somebody who's playing 10, 15 rounds per year, it can take you, as you said, many, many, many seasons to do it. Definitely. Now, on the other side, if you're some, I've seen before where where people pick up the game and they're breaking ninety by the end of the year. But often, what happens is it's because they dove in with two feet. They play, you know, eighty rounds that year. They're taking lessons every week. They're at the range grinding it out. So it just depends on how much time you space out you know, in, in between those sessions, right. how accelerated in order to get there. But one thing to understand is on a, on a regulation par 72 course, you need to average better than bogey per hole in order to break 90. That's right. So it is a good score. You've got to be knocking on the door of shooting par in order to do it. Um, you, you know, you still need some great shots to, to break a hundred, a hundred still a great, it's a respectable number to be shooting in the nineties, no doubt, but you can get away with a little bit more inconsistency in shooting those high nineties. If you're talking about knocking on the door, breaking 90, this is where consistency starts to really come in. And then again, going below that, like we talked about the, at the start of the show, Breaking 80s, breaking 70s, it's just a matter of getting more and more consistent. Yeah. Doing mm-hmm. it over and over. So, again, 
You want to write down that score that starts with an eight. You got to keep a couple of these things in mind and we'll go through them. There's a couple, couple good pointers here. Uh, the first one is, and this is something I talked about in my uh, goals that I reviewed last week in the episode, was that I want to focus more on keeping the ball in play and making smarter decisions. Often what takes us away, and, and for your, your average pretty decent golfers who are right there, could be shooting in the 80s, what usually stops them, it's not that they've got a bunch of sixes and sevens on the card. It's that, it's one that they got that one or two blow up mm-hmm. holes. So you have to take a really good granular look and say, what caused that? And again, this is where stat tracking is great, but you can look in and you say, why did I blow up there? And what can I do to avoid it? Oftentimes what you'll find is that it's bad decision-making. That's it. You played a shot. Now, of course, any one of us can have a bad shot and shank one, you know, or whatever. But oftentimes that it's because you played a shot that, you know, may may have been something you weren't capable of doing. Mm -hmm. You got a little bit more aggressive than you needed to. You weren't as, we talk about being self-aware, you weren't as aware of your game as that you could have been where you're saying, you know, if I'm super aware, I know that that's a shot that's a low percentage for me. I may execute it once or twice, but that doesn't mean I'm going to execute it often enough to do the rate way the risk versus reward. So double bogeys are not good news, but you can make up with those those with a with a par or two. When you start making those triples or worse, that's where that damage might be too much to overcome to break that number. So there's there's ways you can do it, and we'll dive into those in a second. But do you agree? As I mean, as far as that's where you often get in trouble. Absolutely. And sometimes it's, it isn't the sexiest thing to put the driver away on a tee box, you know, if there's a little trouble up there. I mean, it, you know, as, as newbie golfers, you know, we're familiar with that driver, that big club will get up there. We won't evaluate what's ahead. We won't play that smarter golf because yeah. we might not be thinking about it. Um, but where, you know, you kind of break that barrier and get into those 80s or, or hit those milestones is when you do take a step back and you're standing there and you see some water, or you see some, some woods or some white stakes and you're like, all right, maybe let me just tone down to a seven iron here. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for us beginners to do that, you know, but that's just it. It takes what we said before, discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the sexiest thing to not go pin hunting, right? But then you think about it. It, may, it might not be as obvious as, as a tee shot with water or whatever. It might be something like a pin that a, a experienced smart golfer is going to realize that it's tucked, you know, by some greenside bunkers. And rather than if you go to the middle of that green, you play that safe bet, it may take two putts to get home. But again, what are we talking about avoiding? The triple bogey. Mm -hmm. Versus you go pin hunting, you end up in this green side bunker really short-sided with the with the with the the flag that's there then you, you ha- maybe you struggle to get out of the bunker or you hit it too far now you're on the other side of the green and you three putt from there that's what i mean the difference it's sneaky golf kills us because it's not always obvious mm-hmm. it's little little things that could have been avoided that lead to these chain reactions that all of a sudden you're like what just happened? You end up walking out of a hole with an eight and you're like, what just happened? Yes. And it might've been one bad decision that puts you into a spot to have to execute shots that you don't know yet. Right. And, and the classic example, oh, you're going to, you're going to love my memory here. Here we go. Mazellum Springs, 12th hole, par five. You flew drone on this hole actually. <laughs> and it was where we saw Chris, the GM up at, at the green. Remember that hole? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And classic mistake. I mean, not knowing my surroundings, not knowing the course where I was, I put the ball in the wrong spot on the green. Yes, I was up on the green putting, I think for a, a birdie putt. It was a par five or, or a par putt. It was, it was a fur to save a good score. 
And I just remember touching the ball and it went and it went all the way off the green. Like yeah. I remember the guy saying, good luck trying to keep this on the green because I didn't keep it below the hole. I, I didn't survey my land. I didn't come into that hole with a game plan. And I think I ended up getting a triple bogey on that hole. I screwed I so. it all up. I was yeah. off the green. I had to chip back on. It was super fast. And it all could have been avoided if I played it a little bit differently. That's it. I mean, those greens, they found ways to, to punish mm-hmm. you. And, and that's it. Harder courses are going to find smarter ways to challenge golfers but i think that that's a big part of it like again if you if 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 you're in that zone where you're trying to break 90 if there's one thing to take away it's just get yourself out of the tunnel vision Mm. you get this tunnel vision like there's the pin this is my yardage that's what i'm hitting but you you, and as i said as you start to think like the smarter golfers think which we push ourselves to do all the time we got to have those reminders you start to think about stuff like that like stand of the hole and oftentimes you'll get that advice from like starters and people like that yeah. who know the course they, they'll say something to you and oftentimes we think of it as like a formality we say oh thanks whatever but listen the local course knowledge is important like in that day i remember them saying guys stay below the hole today yes. mm-hmm. and you're just like okay you sometimes you write it off as just general golf advice but you realize then why that course was designed to punish you it was really fast greens if you were up above the hole right so that's one of our points we one is to stay under the hole if you listen to the podcast regularly we've talked about this but if you're a new golfer you might not know what we mean and what we mean by that is ahead of your approach shot look ahead at the at the green and try to put yourself in a position where you can have an uphill putt uphill putts we talked a lot about putting over the last couple episodes uphill putts are always going to be easier you you are able to put a little bit more pace on them take a little bit more breakout than those slippery fast downhill putts Mm -hmm. so instead of just saying what's where's the pin and what's my distance to the pin and just firing at it instead say okay what's the pin what's the distance now where do i need to be to be putting uphill and try to make that your target you're not gonna hit your target every time Mm -hmm. but if you make it your target you're gonna have a heck of a better chance of being in that position and that will translate to less of these blow up holes dude absolutely so many times we just look at that number in the middle of our watch and say, that's the number we need. That's the club we need. But we're not thinking about the green, the speed of the greens, what's in front of the green. Is it an old Donnie Ross design with false fronts that's going to bring the ball all the way back down the fairway? You got to think about that stuff. And like you said, the best way to do it is just visualize it. Visualize that miss. We're not pros. We're amateurs, right? So my miss, I mean, where do I want to miss this pin? I don't want to miss it right and be off the green. I don't want to miss it left and be off the green. I don't want to miss it long. I want to miss it short. So what club do I need? Where's the wind? You know, variables. There's a lot of variables out there. So this is the type of stuff you got to think about. It's incredible. If you want to learn a lot, watch on the PG Tour. Go to a PG Tour event when people can start safely going to events again. Mm -hmm. And watch the interaction between the caddy and the player and see what they're really talking about. The caddy's not saying, well, Jim, I need you to remember to keep your head down here. He's not saying that. He's like, watch your takeaway. They're analyzing wind everything conditions how soft the conditions are how much it's going to roll out what you should play it like if you can start to think like that almost be your own caddy pretend you're your own pga tour caddy out there you'll learn from it yeah if we can't get back to an event anytime soon just go on youtube and type in like caddy sound bites because it is interesting they will say like it's 145 the stick wind coming off the left i like a 138 number for you right or something it's just a lot of factors that go into it there's variables that they think of that we take for granted and we just get up there and hack away and 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 you may be screaming at us going guys 
I'm not that good to be taking off errors, but it could be the difference of, you know, four or five strokes in a round. Yeah. And even if you're saying you're not that good to, to vary your distance by a couple of yards, just starting to get yourself in that mode of That's thinking it. like that. Mm -hmm. Plus, trust me on this, it may seem like a lot of work at first, but this is where you'll find even more enjoyment in the game because it is those nuances that keep us thinking. It is. Those are the reasons why as golfers, we can go back and play the same course every weekend for five years because things change so as you understand and you, you work in those nuances more and you start practice it does take practice practice thinking like a golfer you'll get better at it yeah. and as your game gets better your your mental game and your strategy go right along and work right along with it that's the cherry on top if you start thinking like a golfer you start incorporating those thoughts in your swing process yeah. now you start building confidence that hey i might be a golfer like, I feel like that real golfer that, you know, I, I want to take this thing a little further and it's going to motivate you a little more. It does. It and really does. As one added benefit, as you start to focus on, on strategy, you get to start to finally take your mind a little bit less off of execution. Oftentimes, if you find that you're one of those range guys who performs really well on the range, it's a lot of times it's because you're not thinking, you're just out there swinging, right? Mm -hmm. And and one thing that we do is we kind of tie ourselves up in mental knots, thinking too much about the mechanics you find, again, I know they're much better golfers, but tour pros are not thinking too much about their mechanics when they're out there. On the range a little bit, yes, but not when they're out there. If you find you start start thinking more about how, where you want to hit it, you know, where you want the ball to land, what the, you start to, your mind starts to become occupied with that and less about mechanics and you'll be surprised at how much it frees up your swing to think less about mechanics. Absolutely. You know? And I love this one about respecting the bunkers because it's something we don't yeah. think about. Guys, if you are not good in the bunkers, stay away from them yes. if you want to break a certain milestone number because, you know, it's interesting with bunkers, I mean, we don't get penalty strokes in bunkers on like a hazard, mm -hmm. but the penalty could be trying to get out of these bunkers. Yeah. You know, and we struggle. I mean, there are times where it takes me two, maybe three times to get out of a bunker. I'm buried, you know, all those different lies that you have. Um, but, you know, you got to respect bunkers and you got to know whether or not you're a good bunker player not because it could go part of that strategy a hundred percent could that's the thing i think bunkers are probably the most disrespected of all the hazards we yes. don't even think of them we as never hazards do. because right. there's no penalty stroke because we'll just get out of it right, right. Mm. but in the reality no i mean you could be in a fairway bunker with a little bit of a lip that causes you it's almost like a stroke penalty because you got to wedge it out to the side i mean we saw a lot of that in scotland oh yeah we had bunkers that were deep <laughs> pop bunkers in the middle of a fairway and now I'm, I'm 150 out there's no way i can get it up into that green so i'm like it's almost like having a penalty so i think that's a big thing again Again, if you're on that knocking on that door, respect the bunkers. We talk about this analogy before. It's like kind of like a, a football, like a quarterback surveying the defense. When mm -hmm. you get up there, look, and then you'll start to even respect and understand course architecture more because you realize how architects do a great job sometimes of hiding bunkers. Yes. And this is where it's it's listening to local knowledge or learning it or looking at, at the yardage sheet if you had or whatever it may be because oftentimes you'll notice those bunkers aren't just thrown, sprinkled out there like just haphazardly. They're no. in landing yeah. zones. Yeah, they know. <laughs> they know where to put those bunkers, and there's a reason for it. So respect those bunkers. And as Mike said earlier, another tip would be play it safe off the tee. Again, we there's a reason. It, it, golf is so much discipline that you learn in golf because there things are there to tempt you. Now I'm thinking about the 11th hole at Hollowbrook. Mm -hmm. with all that water mm -hmm. and you look at a tee shot right and you're looking at a tee shot that that you know facing out the the green is to the left 
and it's all water. And basically what you have to decide is how much of that water you want to carry. Yes. The further and further you aim towards the green, the more you have to be perfect with your tee shot carrying. But they know that when they design the course, they want you to be up there and be like, oh man, I, I can, I can. They want you to John Daly to Bay Hill. If I go, yeah, Bay Hill, John <laughs> Daly. You know, but but you're introducing a lot of risk. Right. And that is where the less disciplined golfer who goes for it walks away with the big number on mm -hmm. the card. Yeah. Versus the hardest thing to do is to stick to that game plan when you really want you want to do it. You want to go up there and rip one. Save that for when you're playing a scramble and you're the anchor. I love it. You know, That's and everybody's safe in the field. You even said that that day. You said, Frank, if we were playing best ball, I'd let you hit a ball out in this fairway yeah. and I'd rip it for this green. Right. Right. But we were doing worse ball. We, so we yeah. Can, so we, every shot mattered. So we we got into the situation where we'd be like we both played a little safer. So playing it safe off the tee is a really big one. Um, Another thing too, another big tip is just trying not to do too much. Um, uh, oftentimes, again, especially if you haven't broken 90 yet, it starts to become like this weight and you think of it as such a big thing. Um, but, you know, instead of trying to be like the tour players and hit every green and doing all these things that might be outside of your capability right mm -hmm. now, if you can just more so shift your focus to not having any big mistakes. Yep. Playing a little bit smarter, safer, it might be the the quicker route to not to breaking ninety than trying to, as I said, execute things that you may not know how to execute. That's true. You know, uh, for for example, let's say you're faced with this shot where you've got you're you're on the right side of the hole, wood line to the right, and the and the green is kind of a dogleg right, so it bends around, so it's protected by those trees. Now you might be thinking. All right, for my second shot, I want my green in regulation. This is where I'm thinking about doing too much. What I can do is I can play a nice high fade that fades <laughs> along this tree line and yep. I can get to that green. And then what happens is if that's not in your arsenal, if you're not the type of golfer who can execute that every time and you try to do too much, you try to play the shot that you can't, now you flirt with the woods, it ends up clipping a tree, kicking into the woods and you're OB right. or red staked or something like that versus the mindset of saying, Let's get away from this with no big mistakes. And instead of going for my green regulation, I'm going to hit wedge out to the fairway, and then I'll have a clean wedge in yep. to the green. And now I'm putting Try for to par, par, worst case, two putt bogey. And move on. Right. Yep. That's what I mean about doing too much. Now, in your as you become a better and better golfer, you, you remember... Hey, I want to learn how to hit that high fade mm -hmm. and work on it on on the on the range until the point where you feel comfortable enough that it becomes a smart decision to play it there. But until it's a smart decision, don't try to do too much. Try to be the hero. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. when instead you say what's what you can actually think about it. I got two paths to go here. The hero path and the don't make the mistake yeah, path. The hero path works maybe one out of every hundred times and when <laughs> it does on it's the great. golfer yeah you're a hero it feels good right. but it doesn't happen often and when you're a hero all the time you're on the pga that's tour. exactly it that's the difference i mean we do have that high fade in our bag every now and then but like you said if it's not in our bag of tricks you can't really rely on it yeah yeah you can't because can. it'll and, be a blow up. and a good way to do this and not put too much stress on yourself is before you're around try to create a more or less shot by shot strategy you can Every golf course nowadays, you can go and you can get online. You can get the the layout. You know, mm -hmm. you can you go and you search the golf course, and usually they'll show the hole by hole, and you can look at it ahead of time and create a strategy for yourself. Then it's a little bit less pressure to each time try to 
have a strategy. Instead, you just kind of go back to the strategy you had. Like this is the strategy of how how I want to play this hole. And if you have that game plan going into it, then it just becomes a level of discipline of sticking with the plan. Right. And a few times you may have to react to a bad shot that gets away from the plan. But really what the next shot should be is just how do I get this ball back into play to continue with my plan? Yeah. Versus let me throw the entire plan out the window. And this is what happens often with these blow up holes. We get more and more and more aggressive because we're trying to salvage the hole. But each time we're digging our grave deeper and deeper. Right, right. You know, think about those times when you push it into like the woods a little bit, but you're saying, I got a clearing, I can punch it towards yeah, the that's green. that's Mike right there. Right, <laughs> right. And then sometimes you'll be the hero who does thread the needle and get it on the green. But other times it's going to hit one of those trees and rock it even further, you know, out mm-hmm. into the woods mm-hmm. versus, all right. I, you know, I'm away from my game plan because I didn't execute that shot. Let me just punch this back into the fairway where I can get back to my game plan, which is being about a hundred yards out for a wedge shot, right. whatever it may be. But that's what I mean. We just dig ourselves deeper and deeper because we just try to be the hero over and over. Yeah, we and get over. frustrated, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then that's again where the eights come in: eights, nines, tens. So that's an important one. Scorecard killers. Scorecard killers. Um, and then a big one to, to realize is is nerves. Nerve, we're human beings. Yeah. The reality mm-hmm. is we have to understand that we're it's an emotional process too while we're out there. And nerves happen. And and especially if you're somebody who's tallying the score as you go, or even just mentally just realizing, hey, I'm playing pretty well. And you're you this might be that first time I break 90. You you gotta know you're gonna get nervous. But the difference again between good golfers um and newer golfers is that good golfers don't try to avoid being nervous they just realize that they are nervous and then they're able to adapt to it Mm -hmm. right so you know being and and again there's all all different things that we've talked about before about like pre-shot routine and anything that caused you to focus on that but as you practice pressure as you're in more pressure situations you'll become more accustomed to it because i think it's going down the wrong path of trying to teach yourself not to be nervous. The reality is you're going to be nervous. You're going to be nervous. And I, this came into play for me when I broke 80 for the first time this year. I remember it was par three, par four, 17, 18. And I knew getting up to 17. That's when I looked at the scorecard. That was, that was the wrong thing to do. But I knew I was getting close. And then I looked in that par three. I said, okay, so if I make par par out, I'm 78. Beautiful. I ended up making a bogey on the par three 17th. I said, all right, so I got to make par here. And the nerves were kicking in, dude. Oh, man, they were taking over me. And it was a drivable par 4 18th hole. So I went for it, pushed it to the right, chipped it up short of the green, putted it on for a long putt, made the putt for par. And I ran around like a fool celebrating. Yeah, yeah. But the nerves did take over. I mean, and you feel it. And it's like, I got to find a way to get rid of those. Yeah. You know? But, but that's just it. I mean, instead of getting rid of it, just shifting your mindset to, first of all, we think of nerves as a bad thing, but nerves can be a, it can be a good thing. You can realize, hey, I'm nervous because I am playing so well. You know, yeah. shift the way mm-hmm. you're thinking. But again, if it's it's more so if the nerves cause changes in your body that you are not aware of and then therefore can't react to, that's when you get into problems. Like m- nervous causes us to grip the club too tight, causes us to hit shots that, we, you know, daring shots that we no- normally wouldn't necessarily be able to hit. Mm-hmm. Here's where things like taking an inventory of like your, you know, your body and, and taking a deep breath to relax your nerves and whenever relax your muscles. Again, it's just more so of, recognizing the nerves and responding rationally. 
And then again, being comfortable in the nervous situations. You know, think about Tiger. Mm. Some of the pressure situations he's been in with the gallery down both sides. Do you really think Tiger's not nervous? No, he's nervous. No, he's nervous. He just knows how to deal with it. He's you know why? Because he's been in the situation so many times. The guy's he's a guy who's been was on late night shows at three years old, chipping. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? He has the experience. So that's the, the thing to take out of the playbook. Have the experience and then look hard at your practice sessions, your range sessions. Are your range sessions just complete zero pressure, just out there, you know, hitting balls? And if you're hitting them well, is it because there's no pressure? Then can you introduce some pressure? We've talked about it before, even on putting drills, introducing pressure where you have to make a sequence of putts or on the range, mentally playing through a hole, picking targets that you have to hit. Now you're creating stress, creating pressure, and you're becoming adept in how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely correct. I mean, what, when's the last round you think you've played? You were just, I'm, I'm thinking YouTube golf day, the last uh, nerve wracked round. Nervous, Even more that nervous day, I was than, super frustrated with the rest playing, which caused a spiraling effect. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to have like a gallery of 20 people or so following you to watch you play. Yeah. It's not normal. Yeah. But but those nerves were, were unique. And I feel nerves every time we do those fun competitions where we're playing for something. Like yep. if we get X amount of birdies, we can give away whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because I feel the pressure of wanting to win things for, for the There's guys no doubt pressure watching helps. at home. Pressure definitely helps. And that's it. And the more I find, the more we're in the pressure situations, the more I'm able to deal with it. That's it. So that's what it is. Instead of, again, instead of trying to become somebody who is does not have nerves, you realize like, that's not going to happen. You're a human being. You're going to be nervous. Instead, learn how to embrace it and work through it, and you'll become a better golfer for it. I believe it. So give these a try. I'm sure there's a lot more things that that obviously go into to breaking 90. If you've got some tips of your own, if there's something that helped you finally turn the corner and break 90, let us know. Post a comment below or post it in the Facebook group. We'd love to hear about it, as we say every week. Um, but again, these are some things, at least some framework of a way to start thinking and thinking more like a golfer that's going to get you to that point. And again, notice there's nothing here we talked about of making a dramatic swing change. Yeah. So right. we want to get away from that thinking that it's necessarily that. Like if you've made a par before, it proves you're physically capable of doing it. So what's holding you back from doing it more often? What's holding you back from that consistency we're talking about? And it could be something of one of these things, some of these strategy things that you can work on. So, um, Try these out when you're out there next time and see if it helps. If it does, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Absolutely, man. So We always love to hear the tips from you guys as well. We do. It's an ongoing conversation, both, like I said, in the comments and in the Facebook group. Uh, so if you want to get to the show notes for today's episode, go to golfissy.com slash episode 357, or as always, in the Golfissy app, which is available for Android and iOS. Again, Happy New Year. We'll see how late in the year we can say that to you guys. Mm -hmm. I think it's, we'll be saying it forever because we're just happy so to happy be to through be 2020 yeah. <laughs> and into 2021. This year, I won't make the same mistake of jinxing it. Uh, and uh, again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody again next week.